Welcome to the Wonder Learn Show. I'm your host, Francis Tapon. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about China's demographics. Back in the 1980s, when I was a little boy, I remember that people were talking about Japan being the next big thing. It's going to take over and overtake the United States and the world, for that matter. Now, the conventional wisdom says that China will overtake the United States. And while it is certain that China will continue to get better and better and better throughout the century, whether it dominates the world as everybody thinks, I have been consistently questioning that. And I'm about to present to you some evidence for why I think that. I think it comes down to two reasons. One reason is demographics, and the other thing is authoritarianism or totalitarianism, which they are veering to. We're not going to talk about totalitarianism and authoritarianism, that it's going down that path right now with Xi Jinping. We're going to talk more about the demographic side of things. As a world traveler, I like to look at places and learn about where countries are going, trends, etc. And so I hope you guys get into this too. So what we're going to be using is we're going to be looking at the eight points that the Pew Research Center just put out. Put a link down below so you can check it out yourself. But for those of us following on YouTube, you can see it right now on your screen. So the title of the article is Key Facts About China's Declining Population. The point number one is that China will lose its status as the world's most populous country in 2023. India is going to be that number one place. Still, it's a big place. It's 1.4 billion people, just over. And that makes it bigger than Europe, bigger than the Americas. And it's about the same size population-wise currently as Africa. That's going to change quite a bit by the end of the century, but that's another story. Number two, the United Nations forecasts that China's population will decline from about 1.4 billion to about 1.3 billion by the year 2050. Okay, so it's going to be going down. And by the end of the century, it's going to be below 800 million people. And that is according to their medium variation. Now, that's assuming that China's fertility will actually increase because right now China's fertility is about 1.2 children and they're expecting it to go to roughly 1.5 children by 2100. So they're assuming that it's going to increase. And despite that increase, it's still going to decline to below 800 million. The high end estimate is that it will be about 1.1 billion by the end of the century. The low end estimate is all the way down below half a billion people. That's an incredible decline. That would be going down by a third of what it's at right now. Okay, that's just point number two. Now let's go and look at point number three. Academics and other experts differ somewhat from the forecast, but almost all of them predict some sort of decline. Everybody who's an expert about this topic believes that China will decline. Point number four, the total fertility rate currently is about just under 1.2. Fertility rate, by the way, is number of children that the average woman has. You need to have about a 2.1 in order to kind of have a break even so that your population is stable. And that's interesting. If you can see right here on the screen, it has a graph that shows when they implemented the one-child policy. Now, if you look at the graph carefully, you'll see that back in the middle of the 20th century, China had about roughly six children per average woman, ballpark, right? And it started to decline throughout the 1970s. So by the time they actually instituted their one-child policy, it was already down to 2.7, down from six. 
Then in 2016, they did the monumental step of saying, you know what, actually, remember that one child policy stuff? We're going to allow you to have two children now. When they did that, already the average Chinese woman was only having 1.7 children. So they said, they decided, okay, well, we can increase it to two. And then just five years after that, in 2021, they said, you know, about that two, how about three? You can now have three. And guess what happened? By then, it was already declined down to 1.1, roughly. Despite these policies, Chinese citizens are just not having children. And that's a fact. And as a result, that's why they expect over the next few years that the population will continue to decline. Point number five is that now Chinese women are having children later in life, which, by the way, is a global phenomenon. It's not a Chinese thing. But they have been rising steadily. So now, back since the year 2000, it used to be that they had their first child at 26. Now they have their first child at 29. And this is happening all over the world, but it's an interesting case nonetheless. And that goes along with the median age for the first marriage. Back in 2010, it was 24 years old when they first got married. Now they're getting married at 28. Okay, point number six. China is among the countries that has the most skewed sex ratio at birth. Back in the middle of the 20th century, for every 100 female babies born, you had 106 male babies born. So just a few more male babies born than females. By the way, this is not terribly strange. A lot of times when countries are prospering, there will be a higher uh, male ratio babies born. When economics are terrible, then there tends to be naturally more females born. This is regardless of economic policy, etc. It seems like it's almost programmed in our DNA that when times are tough, uh, females produce more females. And when things are good, then they produce more males. There's a lot of literature written about this, but anyway, I'm not going to dive into that. Here's the point that by the 21st century, Then all of a sudden you started looking at things that were going over 115 men for every 100 women. So by then they were really selecting through abortion that they wanted to have males. And so that is way skewed, way out of line for the rest of the world. They also have one of the highest abortion rates per female for any country, according to one institute. So as a result, in 2021, there are about 30 million more men than women. It's hard to find a date if you're a man. Point number seven of eight, it has a rapidly aging population. Now, of course, this is, again, a global phenomenon. But because they're so heavy of the amount of people who are over 60, it's going to hit them much harder than any other region. About 20% of the population is over 60 By the year 2035, you're looking at about 30% of the population. That's about 400 million Chinese who are going to be over 60. And by the end of the century, it looks to have about to double its dependency ratio. And that means the amount of people underneath supporting the older population. And that's going to be completely skewed. So it looks like China will have more people outside the working age population than inside of it. Finally, point number eight. More people migrate out of China every year than people who immigrate 
into it, which of course further exacerbates this problem. You're having an exodus, a, a net migration out of China. So that is going to hurt it even more, talking about these compounding effects. And this has been a problem with China that's just going to get worse now that they're clamping down and being more authoritarian. If you were a Chinese person, would you want to stay in China? Or would you look at the exits and say, you know what, maybe there are greener pastures out there. And so you compound that all. So to summarize, I think it's clear from these eight different points that China is facing a huge demographic problem. We all are, by the way. Every country, every continent, except for Africa, is going to face a demographic issue with a, a big aging population. That is not strange. It's going to be extreme in China's version. I think that's going to be a load on it. And when you add the fact that China is having this authoritarian clampdown right now with Xi Jinping in the 2020s, then I think that spells problems down the road because all of a sudden he's going to have to try to squeeze more productivity out of the working age population. On top of that, you have robotics kicking in and artificial intelligence. A lot of companies that are currently outsourcing their manufacture to China because of the cheap labor, they will automate things. Well, you don't need to have those robots in China. You could have those robots in the United States or Europe, for example, and manufacture locally. And especially if there's a trade war that comes up, that will also create a problem. By the way, it will surprise a lot of people that even though I've been to 125 countries, I've actually never been to China or to India, actually. So in some ways, I feel not well positioned to talk about China since I haven't even visited there. But I will. I plan to do that. But I think the whole narrative, just based from the data, that China will vastly overtake the United States and the United States will be a second-class citizen and, and Europe is going to be a has-been too. All that, I don't think it's going to be as dramatic as everybody thinks it is. The conventional wisdom is probably going to be wrong in this case. I think China will be a superpower. It is a superpower already, and it will continue to get more powerful. As long as they keep an open economy, a free market economy, I think China has got a bright future and its GDP could overtake the United States. They've got four times more people than the United States, so why not? But will it blow the United States out of the water? No. And especially with the totalitarian, authoritarian regime that they're now having, I think that's not going to bode well. And you're seeing it across the world, whether it be Iran or Russia, totalitarianism just generally doesn't work. In the short term, it might. But in the long term, it really doesn't pay off because people don't want to live under a totalitarian society for long. But those are my opinions. What are your opinions? Why don't you leave me a comment down below? Subscribe to my podcast at wanderlearn.com. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. You can find me all over social media at ftapon.com. I'll leave a link in the description. And that ends this episode of the Wander Learn podcast, where we explore travel, technology, and transformation. If you'd like to see the show notes with links to what we've talked about, go to wanderlearn.com and click on this episode. If you'd like to connect with me, just remember F-Tapon. That's my first initial and my last name. F-Tapon is always my social media username. My website is ftapon.com. Do you want to leave me an anonymous voicemail where you can make a comment or ask a question? Then go to speakpipe.com slash ftapon. 
Furthermore, if you'd like to get rewarded for supporting my projects, then go to patreon.com slash That's where you can pick up some remarkable rewards for as little as $2 a month. Now, five quick favors. Number one, subscribe to the WanderLearn podcast. Two, download it. Three, share it. Four, review it. And five, sign up for my newsletter at wanderlearn.com. Our theme music was composed by Eric Stratman. This is Francis Tapon encouraging you to wander and learn.